came down here for for bass fishing, and so far it's been kind of a slow couple of days. But uh, I have uh, John. How do you pronounce your last name? Avalos. Avalos. There we go. So I've been I've been mispronouncing it for the last couple of years. <laughs> so at least I have Avalos correct. So John, you've been in Florida for how long? I'd say almost thirteen years. Oh yeah. Okay. Going on thirteen years. So now, where does where did your journey start? Where do you where's where's home base for you? Las Vegas, Nevada. No kidding. I actually grew up in Colorado, moved to Las Vegas. Uh huh. And went to high school there. Okay. And then military, did all my stuff, and then from there, California, Oregon, Washington, and then here. <laughs> wow. So you you so you you're West Coast and you come over to the East Coast. Right. So it's like, so what? So what? So I take your military career took you into Oregon and Washington and such. That and pipe fitting. I also do fire sprinklers. Okay. So the fire sprinklers during the union when I got out, you get the union, you go through Washington and. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Oregon, go to Texas, you uh-huh. know, Louisiana, and we're road fitters with 669, which is a local union. Okay. And they're pi- sprinkler fitters that go over the road. Okay. So I've fit pipe for fire sprinkler systems for almost 20 years too. Wow. So, so you got quite a, quite a few tools in, in your, in your uh, tool bag there. Yep. I've been through the fire department in Tucson, Arizona and mm-hmm. search and rescue with, you know, military uh, with the Las Vegas police department and things like that so it's it's been crazy career. wow so it's like it, it kind of reminds me of me because it's like i started i started i grew up in minnesota and then i, then I moved out to arizona for after college and so i went I was in arizona from 2003 to 2007 and got to monkey around there for a while and got to see a lot of the 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 nooks and crannies of what arizona had to offer then in 2008 when the recession hit i had only had a couple options like what do i do it's like either go back home or live on the street so i did a little bit of hitchhiking so i spent some time going around through new mexico colorado utah Utah, Wyoming, uh, what else? Washington, yeah. It's, it's been it's a, it's a trip. I mean, that's some beautiful country, and it's like to find you all the way out here into Florida. It's like, what brought you out to Florida? Thirteen a, years. A ago? whim. Okay. My buddy said he's moving. I was done with everything, and I was like, you know what? I gotta go. And mm-hmm. I came out here with I think twenty five dollars in my pocket. Okay. And moved out here and went to Ocala, broke some horses, made some money, and uh huh. Then from there, just. Went on to open a race shop and fishing, and uh-huh, then uh-huh. I started uh, Team Bass Hunters, which okay. was the first part of Bass Patrol Nation. All right. And then uh, my ex, um, my ex-wife was in the military, mm-hmm. so she when she got in, went ended up going to D.C. and back to Texas, and then back to D.C. and uh-huh. we started doing a, a fishing program. We I wanted to help veterans and police officers, you know, fallen officers, families, fallen firefighters, mm-hmm, families, mm-hmm. you know. Um, all the things with the military and the police, and so we started a program up there, and yeah, it, it hit up, hit off pretty well. So now, uh, who is all involved in the program? Is is everybody still originally involved, still doing it, or most of the original guys are gone? I okay, mean, it's been going on for ten years now, and uh-huh. people come and go. You know, it's we really don't have a pro staff per se. We don't really have now. It's just a bunch of law enforcement and soldiers now. Mm-hmm. You know, military personnel that help keep the name going and support our program very cool and so then uh now is it still based primarily in the up in, in dc area then or is that has it or is it blossomed it's, it's, other locations? it's blossomed out in the last 10 years the take a vet fishing programs have blossomed out throughout the united states okay so it's programs everywhere so now, now is it, so uh what is it what is it is it all underneath one umbrella or do they have each individual no, everybody has their own individual thing now so okay. there's different organizations that help soldiers. There's different organizations to do police funds. There's different organizations to do firefighter funds. So, and mm-hmm. it's all just, it, it's branched out to so many entities that, mm-hmm. you know, help mm-hmm. so many different causes. Yeah. You know, fishing is a, a, a diverse program where everybody can get involved. Okay. You know, from children to, you know, the elderly, you know, mm-hmm. men, women mm-hmm. of all ages, you know, and it, it, it goes without saying that it's a very relaxing environment for uh, people who have PTSD or you know, under stressful situations to go out and mm-hmm. just enjoy nature and you know relax and talk about you know what's going on. That's so, how it all started. Very cool. So who inspired you to do, to do, just to get this off the ground running in, in DC? Mostly the most of the soldiers I've seen at Walter Reed. Okay, that would come back from the hot zone. Um, mm-hmm. They were actually the second place they would land after they left uh, Germany. Mm-hmm. They would come here and they get branched out to whatever illness they had or whatever happened to them they would go to texas they would go to walter reed which mm-hmm. is now national naval mm-hmm. and they would i would see them do these programs and my ex was a nurse so we started doing that and i started working with them and one day we just went fishing and 
they have lost. I'm like, well, let's do an event. Uh-huh. And I came up with the event, take a vet fishing. Take a vet fishing. That's That was the first that pilot? Was the first pilot event that uh-huh. was ever done by us. Very cool. So then on that first event, how many people attended? We had a bus from Walter Reed with probably 50, 50 to 60 wounded soldiers. Okay. Um, from all walks of life, all mm-hmm. mili- military personnel, Dodge soldiers, we had Marines, we had Air Force, we had Navy, mm-hmm. and they came out and we supplied the fishing gear and we bought hamburgers and hot dogs out of our own pocket. Yeah. And Bowling Air Force Base, I was uh, one of the um, MWR managers, was a friend of mine. Okay. And they lent us some boats and we just had the event and it blossomed into a huge event that day with the Maryland Wild, the Maryland, um, Man, uh, wildlife management okay. coming out and help measuring fish. You got involved. Mm-hmm. The public saw what's happening was buying hot dogs and donating to soldiers okay. and you know, all military personnel. And we took them out and went fishing and it was just a great day. Very cool. So what, now what, what were you guys fishing up for up there? Up there was a lot of stripers. Stripers, catfish. Uh, there's uh-huh. bass up there, Potomac River. Okay. Um, mostly we all just caught catfish and, you know, brim and bluegills, things Fun. like that. Now, did you guys do a fish fry at the end of the day or was we it all cashless? We did not. We did not. It was, we caught them and they brought them in and if you wanted to keep them, the, the, the soldiers kept them, the military people kept them. If they didn't want them, then some, them. Of, some of the public guys took them and wild, the wildlife management uh, also took some and gave them out to their programs. Very cool. So. That's very neat to do that. And then now, uh, and so that was year one. So how did year two and year three turn around? Turn out? They actually turned out really well. I actually was fishing on tour mm-hmm. with um, Bassmaster Series. Okay. And uh, the second year turned out real well. Same thing, same place, Potomac Park um, in Washington, D.C. The third year we had also the same place, but went to, we were in Potomac Park and we ended up at Bowling Air Force Base. Mm-hmm. And I drove 15 hours from Alabama to D.C. Okay. Drove straight the night after the tur- the, my series of tournaments with Bassmasters okay. to help run the tournament the next day. Wow, that's 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 some dedication right there. And we had uh, Strike King lures. Uh, Strike King lures came out, and they gave all striking baits to all the soldiers, all the mm-hmm. military personnel. And, mm-hmm. You know, we had rods and reels and shirts, and it was just a great day. Wow, that's awesome. And how many how many veterans was that? Did it go? Did it double? Did it? It actually did about the same. About sixty veterans then that, that, the that were in the hospital. Now, I couldn't even tell you what it is now because I another person took took it over, mm-hmm. and now they I don't have to drive up there and. Now they do it every year, and it turned into just a, a couple times a year. Oh, really? So program. it's, a, it's a, they do it multiple events then throughout I would, the year. I think it's like three or four a year they do for the military personnel up there now. Well, that's excellent. I mean, that's just, that's just highly beneficial for the people up there, especially, bad, especially for the people is. and the family members that are still while they're while they're they're in recovery and such and going through rehabilitation. That's a really good way to get them out there. I know um, a lot of people I get involved with all have some type of a military tie into the, to their uh, to to their life, and it's like they were ex service or had some type of a most a, of the, most of the guys we had involved are ex service, okay, and have been through you know a few wars, you know, a few tours, and mm-hmm. you know understand what PTSD is, understand being hurt, and we had. Mm-hmm. Some veterans that were, you know, wounded in combat came out and would help them talk about their situation. Okay. And, you know, ease their mind, you know, help mm-hmm. with PTSD, stuff like that, and do a little bit of recreational counseling. Fair enough. And it just a little, every little bit of it helps because sometimes uh, veterans don't always like open up to, to physicians or psychiatrists, you know, and sometimes it's just like it's, it's just easier to talk to a battle buddy than that knows what's, what they went well, through. When they, when they know somebody's been through it and they know what they're going through and mm-hmm. they've recovered or yeah. they're on their way to recovery, then mm-hmm. it's easier for them to talk to. Very you know, cool. So how long have you been with, you see, no, you said the second year you were with the Bass Masters. How long have you been on tour? I've been running tour for six years, seven years, seven years. Okay. I was running tour. Wow. And I've ran Bassmasters, FLW majors. I mean, mm-hmm. I've done everything from the low BFL tournaments to Elite Series. Oh, wow. Elite Series, too. Is, so now, what was your favorite, uh, what year was your favorite turn, uh, tour? 2011. Okay. It was one of my best years. So give us a little um, breakdown what happened during that uh, that tour. That was the, the tour. Um, we started out at Lake Toho. Okay. And my first, I mean, my first cast of the day on that particular tournament was a seven-pound bass in a foot of water you know didn't even know she was on <laughs> wow it was it was pretty crazy uh-huh. um ended up taking first place in that one wow and then from there just you know top 10s top you know 15s and mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, it was just a fun year it was seeing a lot of a lot of lakes my family traveled with me mm-hmm. my daughter was always with me fishing uh-huh. so she would go up on stage with me and 
That was uh, we also gave some T-shirts that year to the Bass officials that were okay. signed by wounded soldiers from our events. Oh, um, that was a pretty cool ordeal. Uh huh. Um, you know, was, that was my first time. That was my first year I actually got on ESPN outdoors. That's awesome, man. Yeah. So then, now what takes? How do you get involved in that? What's what do you what do you have to start just doing tours then, or how do you get money. involved? Uh, money, essentially. <laughs> it, it's it it comes it breaks down to having the money to go on tour. Mm-hmm. You know, if you got the money to pay the entry fee, you start as a, the best way to do it. Is start out as a co-angler. Okay. You start as a co-angler, you pay a couple hundred dollars for entry fees. Mm-hmm. You know, and then you pay for your you you got to get a hotel or whatever, and then you fish the co-angler side and learn from your your voting partner who you ever you draw. Okay. And the draw can be anywhere from a local guy to a pro, you know, Kevin Van Dam, okay. depending on what, mm-hmm. what tour you're on. Mm-hmm. You know, most of the bass opens, um, when the elite series is run of them, you get a lot of the big pro, the big tour guys. Okay. Running the opens. Uh huh. You know, and so that's, that's the best way to get involved is to start a co-angler, start small, start a local BFL or, you know, local bass tournaments, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, get, get your feet wet and figure out, you know, the ins and outs of bass fishing. Mm-hmm. You know, your best bet is to figure out how to catch the fish before you go out there and try and, you know, spend $500 to $700 on a tournament entry, mm-hmm. you know, and then mm-hmm. try and win some money because you're going to get heartbroken more times than you're going to win. Fair enough. And then the whole sponsorship thing is that just comes as... It was time. It, it's time. It's sponsorship is, is people go, how do I get this? How do I get that? It, it's not about how, it's when. Mm-hmm. You know, you got to have some tournaments under, behind you. You got to have some statistics behind you you got to have you know a major your name on a bfl tour or you know that way they can go and see the stats and mm-hmm, see how you mm-hmm. did and you know you have got to have a great personality you got to have be able to you got to be a salesman pretty much mm-hmm. yeah if you're not a salesman and yeah. you know it's really hard to get sponsorship and you know anybody can get a free lure here and there but to get a money sponsorship or a product sponsorship you mm-hmm. need to have mm-hmm. knowledge mm-hmm. of the product you need mm-hmm. to have a little bit of common sense you know mm-hmm. to figure out how to move the product for the company fair enough. and that's what they look for yeah that's true i mean i i can agree with you uh, hands down from that i mean that's how i met you i just i, I was always a big bass fan i loved your logo and i just started retweeting your stuff and it's like you send me some stuff and it's like i'd use it as much as i possibly could out there on the, on the waters and it's like post always tagging you and stuff like that and it just it didn't i just speak highly of the sport and the people that we represent in the uh, in your organization right and like i said you know the, the sport itself is people look at kind of bass fishing is it will go along with hurting the environment because mm-hmm. of all the boats that are on the water. Mm-hmm. But in all reality, I mean, the the damage to the ecosystem is very limited. Mm-hmm. They take so many precautions nowadays in these, with these fish to keep them alive and management of the waters you fish and, mm-hmm. you know, respecting the, you know, the land and, you know, hydrilla patches or, you know, lily pads. You're not tearing, we're not tearing things up out there. Um, mm-hmm. That was a big issue for a long time with a lot of people. You know, saying that we go and when we pull bass off a of bed, for for example, mm-hmm. that it ruins the, the the bass and they can't spawn. It's not true. Mm-hmm. You pull the bass off the bed, they're going to find another bed to lay their eggs on. Yes, they will. And as far as you can catch 300 bass in a tournament, mm-hmm. you know, but the, the way in the ecosystem is very few bass die. Mm-hmm. These men take. And women take care of these fish very well. We have additives you add in the water to keep them alive and help them mm-hmm. out, heal their, you know, any injuries they have. Heal the gills you know. and stuff like that, especially in the lips. I get it. You know, mm-hmm. and then proper technique of, you know, handling the fish is also what we mm-hmm. instill mm-hmm. in a lot of people. Yes, that to is keep true. the fish alive. But like I said, our our, mm-hmm. our our part that we do is we help and try to help keep the ecosystem thriving. Mm-hmm. Besides, also bring in uh, extra business into the area because I know when it brings I went, a lot of business in. Yeah, because I know when I went to the Elite Series last year and got to see Kevin Van Dam and a bunch of Ishman Row and seeing all these guys up on stage, only a few yards away, and it's like it was pretty impressive the the amount of pull they bring into it. It's like and all the fish they showed up on stage were all alive, and it's like they were, they were only up there for a few pictures. It's a matter of minutes back into the bag, into the, the live wells, and then back out to the river. And that's what they do. It's like you know, and like here in Florida, it's it's a huge a huge thing that we take care of, you know, mm-hmm. our waterways for future generations to, to enjoy the outdoors, yeah. you know, and just like any other place that we fish around the country, mm-hmm. you know, there's so many precautions we take and, you know, to instill this in the youth and people that we fish with to make sure everything is done 
properly. Yeah, because I know you were mentioning to me last night regarding the uh, St. John's Act. The St. John's River Water, uh, the Water Management District is it takes care of 18 counties here in Florida. Okay. And what they do is they help with development, water drainage, mm-hmm. um, make sure we're not overdeveloping areas mm-hmm. that have, you know, are disturbing the water, the water area, waterways. Yeah. Um, they actually, th- their main focus is to work with the di- district to get developmental areas mm-hmm. um, so they don't destroy the ecosystem and the waterways and mm-hmm. the drainage and, mm-hmm. you know, the water tables. All right. Um, it's, it protects, it protects our fish. It protects our waters. It keeps our water quality um, exceptional mm-hmm. here in the state of Florida, mm-hmm. where, you know, where, where we live. And it just it helps, you know, protect the environment. Mm-hmm. I know you're also mentioning too about like the some of these um, retention ponds. They purposely stock them to keep down the mosquitoes, correct? Retention ponds are stocked here in Florida. Once they get built, they put in molly minnows or brim, and then as it goes on, mm-hmm. um, birds come in, fish eggs on their feet, you mm-hmm. know, what have you, and they stock these ponds. Okay, and put fish them to help. Mosquito control. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of our ponds around here have fountains in them. Okay. And the fountains, what it is, the fountains keep the water moving. Mm-hmm. Because with standing still, water that stands still turns stagnant and you get mosquitoes that lay on top. Yes. So mosquitoes lay on top of the water. Once you ripple that water, mosquitoes die. Ah. And they can't survive because they have to live on the surface of the water. That's very true. And it brings them down so they can't breathe. Oh, believe me, I, 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 live, in, I live in Wisconsin. It's like, that's our state bird, I swear. It's like, you can't go anywhere. So even where we uh, uh, fish in the Mississippi and where the, the Bassmasters Elite Series all along in Lake Onalaska and through several of the lock dams and such, it's, it's tough to keep the water moving. But we do have barges that come through that right. also keeps the water constantly moving and, and, and such. To, it helps con- compete with it, but it's like you still get eaten alive. You do. I mean, that's anywhere. I mean, it's Florida's, mm-hmm. you know, they'll carry away here. Yeah, but, no kidding. You know, but like I said, it's they do as much as they can. FWC, the St. John's Water Management, you know, and all the other agencies try and help control, mm-hmm. you know, the mosquito population. Which is know, great because it's, it's I, I remember back in the early 2000s where everybody was talking about West Nile disease. And now it's like you rarely hear it coming up in the news anymore. Which with, is, with all the mosquitoes here, I mean, we there was very, very few cases in Florida. Really? No kidding? Very few. That's great because it went out west in like Texas and, and uh, Arizona where I was living. It's like we'd, it wasn't it wasn't high number. It wasn't like ep- epidemic size. But it's like it was still enough to, to make the news and just make great fear and such. But either way, it's like we figured out ways to manage it and get away from the least you guys like have a really well thought out plan i mean you guys biologists here in florida are just fantastic they do all the gut people that work like i said fwc they have all the marine biologists work there and the you know the water control no way they come in you know the u.s fishing game mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. everybody takes part in managing all the waterways you know throughout the country and you know do the best they can to to control the situation with mosquitoes yeah and yeah fair enough and so uh just thinking about the upcoming future like what's uh like what's uh so now what transition from the the bass hunters to bass patrol nation it's just a name change just name i change. mean we okay. bass, bass team bass hunters was just a team mm-hmm. of a few guys fishing out there trying to make a name for themselves okay going out you know and then once we started the programs it was like okay now we got to figure something else because now everybody wants to get involved okay so it's too hard to do a team per se to have you know a thousand team members throughout the country, so it makes sense to go. So to a we nation. said we'll do this. We'll change it to Bass Patrol Nation. Mm-hmm. We'll instill what we believe in, and what we do now is you know mm-hmm. fall, help fallen officers. Okay. There's so many programs out there that help military. We kind of shied away from that, uh-huh. and we still do the veterans, you know, fishing tournaments and help mm-hmm. veterans. But now our, we have a big focus on fallen, you know, police officers, fallen firefighters, police mm-hmm. police mm-hmm. funds, you know, injured police officers, things like that. Uh, most of the guys on that are on actually on the team now uh-huh. as team members are military or, and are uh, police officers mm-hmm. or law enforcement. So what, are some, what are some of the charities that you contribute to? Or- Officer Down Memorial. Um, mm-hmm. We do that one. There's also another one um, in Texas that uh, one of our uh, team members does. It's, I, don't, I can't get the name right now. I'll get it to you. Uh-huh. Um, we do... Uh, there's a Clay County fishing tournament for police officers here mm-hmm. or sheriff Clay County. We do that. Um, mm-hmm. But most of it is, is officer down Memorial page with, which focuses on every, all the officers throughout the country 
okay. that have fallen in their families, mm-hmm. and we donate to that, and you know, we uh, help keep them programs mm-hmm. in place with them. Very cool. I'm not going to talk to about a dollar amount. All matters is that you're helping somebody. That's that's the that's the that's the main uh, feature of it all. So, so uh, I was wondering, what started your passion about fishing? Who was the the main mentor in your life? In all reality, um, I fished with my father when I was younger. Mm-hmm. But when I moved to Florida, I had a friend, Marcus Martinez, is a really good friend of mine. Mm-hmm. He's he started me out in fishing because I was I had nothing. Okay. And he's like, you know, let's go fishing. All so right. he took me bass fishing for the first time here in Florida, in Ocala. And uh-huh. from that point on, it was... Night and day, you were addicted. I w- it was. It was an addiction that I, I can't control now. So, you know, now it's, you know... <laughs> Ain't that the truth? Isn't that you the know, truth? So then I started, uh, you know, working with some friends. And I had a... But my, when I boss, I, I worked with when I was working at a, mm-hmm. a day job for uh, Franklin Industrial Minerals. Mm-hmm. We had lime pits. Okay. We fish lime pits. Mm-hmm. Then I found out my, my boss... Um, the lab manager was fishing tournaments local and he so I started partnering with him okay and from there found out Marcus was on the same tour so we actually fished all these local tournaments as friends together Uh and that's where it started and one day I decided to go as a co-angler on a BFL tournament and Mm -hmm. the hype and you know the excitement and the the thrill of being there and Mm -hmm. you know seeing all the people and I was like, you know what, I'm gonna try this. So I tried it, and the, unfortunately, it worked out for me. And I got, I've got to fish, you know, uh-huh. all over the country. Yeah. Where's what's your favorite fishing hole so far? Florida is is probably Okeechobee, and mm-hmm. is probably the best place I've ever fished. But okay. you know, your Florida is spoiled. I mean, I fished in you know deep lakes in Missouri, deep lakes in Nevada, Arizona. Mm-hmm. You know, all the upper lakes, the mountains in New York, and mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. things like that. But Florida's by far it's because of Florida hybrid bass. I mean, the Florida bass is it, it's, it's world renowned. It's uncomparable to mm-hmm. you know we've the Florida bass is so big we they've shipped bass over to Japan so they have Florida strain in, in Japan. No kidding. I mean, yeah, it's a Florida strain that has been shipped all over the country. I had no idea. Get, I had no idea that, that that was the case. You know, so, you know, if I had a chance, I'd, I mean, California is the next the next place you'd want to go. Oh yeah. You know, monster bass and some of those are Florida strain, but it, it's you know. They mm-hmm. just breed big bass out there. No kidding, because it's like I know Texas is a, is a hot as a hot seat too as well. Texas, for... the, the southern part of Texas, it's really hot seat for. I mean, mm-hmm. it's it's like these southern states, or they they all have this, this Florida strain, and it's yeah. just they get huge. Yes, you know, so it's there's there's no comparing the a Florida bass to, you know, a. A Midwest bass mm-hmm. per se, you know. Yeah, because we because I think I don't I think aren't they all all part of the same genome? They are, mm-hmm. they are, you know. But it's just the the environment, the food source, mm-hmm. you know, the water quality. The, yeah, and plus we also have we have ice and snow up north, so that that creates a, a shorter growing period. So it does. it's like it takes us several years to get a thirteen pound bass. And I think the record for Minnesota is like twelve. I I can't know yeah. off the top of my head, but it's not very and, big. And here it's down here I, it's like. I think right now the record's like almost 20. Yeah, or it's, 20. it's massive. So, I mean, the world record's what, 22 pounds, 25 pounds? No, it's 26 and something. I so should, it's, yeah, it's 26 and a few, few ounces. I know there's a, I don't remember what companies, but there's one out there that if they catch the bass on their lures, it's like they get 100 grand or something. It's, it's, it's a right. I mean, there's, 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 there's the rumor ground of the million dollar bash, catch world record bash worth a million dollars. Yeah, pretty much. You know, so it's, you know, whatever you catch it on, it's. Yeah, you know that company and mm-hmm. bass pro shops actually does a thing mm-hmm. uh if you catch a bass that's good enough for their tank mm-hmm. if you can keep it alive you call them they'll come pick it up and put in their put in their tanks no kidding yeah yeah they have a program that you can do it's, uh, that's 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 impressive so it's like not only is a record but it's always keeps growing because it's like it's always going to be in a healthy climate right right that's pretty i did that's something that i did not know about that's pretty neat to hear about that that bass pro does such a thing like that yeah they'll, they'll come they'll come take it if you can keep it alive and mm-hmm. you know keep it you know nice and sustained they'll come and get it that's awesome you need to drop it off and they'll put it in their tanks and, uh-huh you know, and we have a, a big we have a florida tro- we have trophy bass program here okay so if you get a trophy bass 10 pounds or bigger you get your name on a trophy board oh very you know, neat. for uh Florida Wildlife Commission. Okay. And uh, but it's all it's all it's all over the state of Florida. Fair enough. And it's 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 a fun program. You get prizes and things like that for catching big bass. And Fair enough. Your name and you know little paper. What's your biggest bass? My biggest bass is about twelve six. Wow, that's 
So break us down what went, what happened when, when you set that hook. It, it was like a log. I mean, uh-huh. there's, there's, once that bass hits, I mean, it doesn't move. Mm-hmm. To turn a 12-pound bass is like turning a 30-pound channel cat in the river. Okay. They don't, they don't turn. Okay. So once you get it to turn, though, and start coming up, then your big thing is trying to keep it out of keep it down in the water really so it's like so you, you want to keep them in the water you don't want to have them come once out it water? jumps they'll spit the hook it's ah. i don't know what why they do it bass are notorious once they break that water if you don't get that rod down they're going to spit the hook fair enough it doesn't matter how you have them hooked it's crazy so how long did it take you to land it to bring it in um about four and a half minutes it's not bad no i mean you get them as fast as you can what happens True. Is bass are like people mm-hmm. they get nitrogen poisoning so the longer you let that bass fight, the more nitrogen it gets in that bass's system. Okay. The, the more likely that bass is going to die. Ah. So that's why here in Florida we use heavier braid line, mm-hmm. heavier line, faster reels mm-hmm. to get the boat, the fish to the boat as fast as you can in a live well. Fair enough. To keep it from getting that the nitrogen. The nitrogen building. Yeah, because I know last year when I was down here fishing over in the. Uh, Fit and Feather Club area there. It didn't take as much more than maybe minute and a half for my biggest bass to bring in. And that was something just just over six pounds. That was the biggest bass I've ever caught. And when when it when it hit, it just like it just it just took right off. And what funny thing is, it's like it didn't go deep. It just it went parallel. It just like went the opposite direction. Yeah. And just keeping that tension on there. Yeah, most bass they won't go deep. They'll just they'll take off. Yes. Yes, because it's not like catfish. Like I, I'm a big, I'm a big fan of catching catfish. And man, when you set the hook, they'll, they'll just dive. Yeah, they and same thing with carp too. The exact same redfish, thing. Redfish, that's redfish. Salt water, uh, salt water mm-hmm. thing. And the redfish, once they hit, they dive straight down. So what about uh, peacock bass? Not here. Not here. That's all down south, Miami. Oh really? Um, around that area, the canals in Miami, around there. Um, it's just it's it's more tropical. Okay. So they're more sustainable down there. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. I, that's that's one on my bucket list. Oh, really? I would love to catch peacock bass. Oh, no kidding. So yeah. I figured you've already accomplished that being nope. here for so many I years. I never caught, never went down and caught a peacock bass. I got They're you. aggressive, and when they hit top water, it's uh-huh. the most beautiful thing you ever see in your life. No kidding. So top water is the way to go with peacocks. So now break us down, like what temperature, like uh, or well, what temperature of the water would you want to be using top water? Between 70, 70 and 74 degrees. Okay. I mean, it's here in Florida, it warms up real fast. True. You know, so most top water, your top water bike's going to come from anywhere from three to six feet from shore, mm-hmm. unless you got a school. Mm-hmm. True. So that's where your top water's going to hit, or your, you know, three foot of water, four foot of water, mm-hmm. you know, five foot in pads, mm-hmm. you know, maybe over top of hydrilla, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. but 70 to 75 degree water is, is, is pretty good yeah. for top water. And that's top water is during the summer. Your first few hours of the morning is mm-hmm. everybody goes top water. Okay. First few hours more until about nine o'clock. Fair After enough. nine o'clock, it starts getting too hot. The bass start moving Going to shaded areas and mm-hmm. looking for cover, mm-hmm. docks, mm-hmm. things like that. Makes sense then. Yeah, because I'm gonna make sense why with today because we started so late in the day. And it's like I think that we we're, we've been hitting the wrong approach. Once so. once, once the sun comes up and it heats up, they yeah. they start going to cover. I got you. See, so. I, was, I, was, I was trying to like I was, this has been a very learning experience because when it comes down to fishing down here because up north it's like you 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 can we can fish later on the day because it takes a little bit longer for the water right. to, to get get really warm it's like then once it's about one o'clock two that's when things is like you might as well sw- stop fishing for bass and sw- switch to right. something well, different. Well, this time of year i mean the spawn the spawn is almost over okay so our spawn starts you know february mm-hmm. so when you turn when the tour hits end of january beginning of february that's the big part of the spawn Mm-hmm. So come mm-hmm. end of February, March, coming into April, they've already spawned out and are headed out to deeper water. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. they don't eat as much, you know, slow fishing mm-hmm. after the post-spawn. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Pre-spawn, yeah, they gorge themselves. Post-spawn, they're tired. They want to relax. They want to go. kind of go in a sanctuary and they, mode. And they hide. Mm-hmm. You know, kind of so. makes sense, like, with our with the rut, you know, with any any mammal and stuff like that. After you get to, after the rut happens, they go into sanctuary mode. They want to, they want to be disturbed because right. they, they exhaust all energy, which makes sense and why it took so, like, why we've had a, a very slim picking. So tomorrow we're going to we're gonna change our, our attitude and we're going to hit a little bit early in the morning. Early morning and mm-hmm. uh, frogs, swim baits, mm-hmm. and then a senko worm. Senko worm, yes. Senko worm and pads, slow. Yeah. You know, because they're going to be, they'll be up near shore, but they'll be a little lethargic. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, you know, sinkle worms, slow fished, and 
You may get a few. That's I, I, I lost that one today on a Senko worm. Yeah, and last night it's like I had that I hit that aggressive uh, bass and jumped three times, managed to keep <clears> in there. What ended up happening is because I was using a fisherman's knot where you told me it's like on braided line it snaps, and sure enough, it's like when I when I came back and we put that uh, when we we're at the last uh, the uh, what's the what was that polymer knot? Yeah, yeah, the polymer knot. And but we we went to that last um, pond where we going that uh, that was the, the Fort Family Park. Yeah, there yeah. we we went there. It's like I, after that I went back and I switched to um, using a uh, took off my swim bait and I put on a frog on top of it. But sure enough, it's like I took it and I snapped it right off. It's like no wonder it broke. But it's yes. like but it was, it was like but after 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 learning about why the bass like try to avoid them out going out of the water, it's crazy. Now uh, I've been really digging KVDs. Uh, Coffee baits, the, the the little tube ones. It's I use a yeah. four out six. A striking, four, a striking makes so mm-hmm. makes the the coffee baits. They've yeah. the space monkeys. They you know whatever. If you get a space monkey for striking with coffee scent, that's a good bait to go to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, we had we had really good. When I was down here last year, we caught sixteen fish and just using on that, and it was just crazy. And, now, and what I've learned, everything that works in Florida uh-huh. will work up in your lakes. Yeah. The same, That's true. The same colors. Kind of like well, like the Glow Pro jersey I'm wearing right now. It's yeah. like they're based out of Wisconsin. And and the the a bass is a bass. Yes, it is. It, it doesn't matter if the bass is in Wisconsin or the bass is in Florida. Mm-hmm. The bass still go to structure. They still eat the same food. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. type of shad. You know, they eat the minnows. They you know shell the, the crawdads. You mm-hmm. know, so mm-hmm. it's the same no matter where you go. Mm-hmm. So the baits you use in one lake. Can still be used in another lake, mm-hmm. you know, unless mm-hmm. you're fishing at deeper lakes, you use deeper crankbaits. Yeah, so you use crankbaits here, but up there, deeper crankbaits. Deeper, baits. deeper crankbaits. Yeah, 15 some... foot, 25 foot. Mm-hmm. You know, because they've got once the, the summer the summer hits, they got that holding pattern. You know, yes, between 15 and 20 feet of water. You know, depending on where you're at. That's very true because I know I I had I hit a small a couple of years ago. And we were sitting on top of a mill foil, and, and what we do is we ca- I'd cast out, and I'll use something that would get down that 15 foot range. And as I'd come back up, I just saw it smash and just take her off, just just go parallel. It's like that was fun. I brought it in, took that one home, and ate that one. That was good eating. <laughs> that was good eating one. And then um, then oddly enough, it was off a, a red uh, uh, rattle shad. Oddly, it's like, it's weird because it's like I don't. I, Usually, when you get that deep, or when you hit that 11, 12 foot, it's just it goes black. And but something must right. uh, something must have irritated or came right in front of their face and just grabbed it. Right, and then the fish, then the, the bass that are up in your neck of the woods are um, spotted bass. Mm-hmm. So largemouth are hard to find up there because mm-hmm. they they're not they're very, a lot more aggressive. But spotted bass, when they hit, they don't hit like a regular largemouth bass. No, they'll tap it and then. If you don't set it, they're gone. Yes, so yes, it is. It is a different ball game, and it's similar to uh, uh, perch too. They have kind of like the same attitude when it comes down to because when perch they, they 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 breathe in and they breathe, and it's like if you're not paying attention to your line because it's so soft, so you have to literally keep your your finger on the line. So it's when they start hitting, it's like you can go ahead and grab it. Mm-hmm. It's it's how we were like uh, last end of September. We hit uh, seventy five perch in two and a half hours between wow. the three of us. It was it's insane. A lot of good food, though. Boy, wow. that, that, that I, perch is really good, especially if you mix it with a little bit of uh, pineapple juice or honey. Ooh, that's, it just really brings out a, a distinct flavor with it and brings up the, the sweetness of the meat. Have to try it. Yeah, it's, 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 it's some good stuff. It is some good stuff. I know it's like, I was, and, and I was kind of surprised when I came down here. It's like uh, when, I, when I brought in Caitlin's uh, cheese curds, it's like, I figured it's like, because it's, like, it's, it's a package, it's got you know, have ice things on it. So I was like, I want to go through it. Like, I'm probably not going to have it. But sure enough, it was here. And, yeah, yeah. So now you guys can have some legit, that legit Wisconsin. cheese curds, yes. right? Wisconsin yes. Uh-huh. And plus, and then on top of that, too, yesterday it was crazy. We were, we were walking around before we came over here, and we met this one guy. And, he, and it's like I was really nice to him and stuff like that. I didn't want to cause any any tit, any tiff to it because it's like I didn't know the the laws at the time before you gave us a little breakdown. But we're, after talking to him, it's like, do you guys hunt? And it's like, yeah. It's like I were, and we we're talking about like I'm a big fan of quail and pheasant. And sure enough, he comes back out with three bags of all that fun stuff. So it's like, I, I gave you a bag. It's like, that's pretty cool. It's it's amazing what kind of attitude you could bring up towards them and what will happen. I think people in Florida, I mean, it's a different breed, more mm-hmm. down home. Yeah. And depending where you're at mm-hmm. and, mm-hmm. you know, they're more willing to talk to you and, you know, hang out with you and tell you things, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. even give you, you know, yeah. fail and quit, you know, yeah. and, and uh, pheasant and quail. quail. Yeah. So it's, you know, but it's, uh, 
most people around here are very hospitable. Mm-hmm. That's why up up north they become a little territorial when it comes like the whitetail and the bass and the pike, and they really don't want to. Tell. It's like it's when we were, where I went fishing with my dad. It's like you, you tell me you can't put it this on, on the internet because it's like it's like it's his, it's one of his little honey holes. Like I get it, it's fine with me. Yeah, so, here there's it's. It's hard. It's, it's it's hard to find a honey holder that nobody's touched. Yeah, I mean, exactly right. Let's look at the retention ponds, like you said, like very there's rare. 400, there's four hundred thousand ba- just in Florida alone. Mm-hmm. Four hundred thousand bass anglers that fish every bass season every year. Oh yeah, four hundred thousand. So mm-hmm. to find you a honey hole that nobody's touched. Yeah, good luck. Yeah, yeah good uh, luck. You let me know. You know. Yeah, so up north, it's like we have half the amount of population. So it's like when it comes up to there, it's like when we find a honey hole, nobody wants to give it up because it's like it's 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 they're 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 hard to come by. And once somebody finds out about them, they tend to overfish them. Right, and it's, it's the same thing with the, you know the, with the inshore fishing. Mm-hmm. You know, they'll find a honey hole, and you'll be lucky. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody knows where the red spots are. Everybody knows where you know catches the sheephead. You know, it's but it's like I said, it's a you know when they bring in. You know, forty billion dollars a year. It's wow. to the Florida, you know, economy is it's pretty amazing. That is that's 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 nice to have that kind of flush. It's like even with uh, Wisconsin, it's like the same one where we have there when it comes to whitetail hunting because people love to go up there. And getting an out of state license is not that expensive. It's only a um, hundred and eighty five bucks or something like that, plus or minus. So it's not that expensive to do it now. If you want to go hunt like Iowa or something, like good luck. It's like a three year draw, and by the time you're all said and done, it's almost a six hundred dollar tag. Right. Yeah. And then I, then like if you're coming from down, if you're flying into Iowa, then it's like now you have to deal with your airfare, your place to stay, you know, and then you have to deal, or you drive up, and that's that's taxing itself too. Right. I mean, our deer here, they're I mean, they're the size of big dogs. You don't have. Mm-hmm. They're pretty small. Big, down here. You don't have big deer here. I'm a dog weighed more than. Mm-hmm. The deer mm-hmm. I used to get, you know, most everybody goes to Georgia. Yeah, you know, that's why. That's why. That's why I find out down here a lot of people like the, my buddy down in Tampa. He goes up there and fishes. He goes up there and hunts up there in Georgia because they just get bigger, which makes sense. And then, but down here, you guys have the wild hogs too, as well. So, a lot of hogs down here. Uh, knock on what I have not come across any yet, but it's like um, you won't come across any around here. I mean, but if you go um, up towards the airport, mm-hmm. there's there's hogs out there um, going towards Ocala, Palatka. You know, Green Coast Springs, mm-hmm. go past that. Mm-hmm. There's hogs there. Oh, so know. now, how do you guys contend with that? Because I know with your with your your um, police ex- uh, experience, stuff like that. It's like, how do you guys deal with them? They're open season all year round. They're all year round. So I gotcha. there's there's no limit on them. It's, as many as you want. As many as you want. Fair enough. Yeah. See, you know. we're trying to keep them up out of the north there because they when they come through, they they destroy stuff, and we have some when we, since our Heartland revolves around so much of the soybean and uh, corn. If they get in there, they'll destroy a lot. They'll destroy a lot because it's like the funny thing is, right. no matter where you, no matter where the the pigs come from, they're all part of Suscrapa. It's the same genome. Doesn't matter if they're coming from Russia or, or Japan or anything. Like that. It's all the same gen- genome. So it's like they, they can. There's 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 um, wild hogs up in Canada, Michigan. They're trying to keep them out of Illinois. Uh, Missouri has got a pretty good one right there too. They have they have outlawed hunting on them and they just kind of keep them all together they, and so you go from there yeah they're they're a nuisance they destroy everything oh yeah and it's like oh. they're, they're doing a pretty good job keeping them out of iowa they're not in minnesota knock on wood wisconsin knock on wood they're not there either too so it's like because if they do that then it's like it's it's gonna it's gonna we're gonna see an explosion in the wolf population up there right i mean we were in texas when I, it was in houston they were actually running around the neighborhoods and they Ooh. would have to go get people to round them up in the neighborhoods because they were ripping up everybody's lawns and yeah because they know. root and they get down they and was, deep yeah and they they're they're, they're omnivores too they will eat meat they they uh, there's pictures floating around the internet they'll they'll eat white tails they'll, they'll eat, eat everything yeah hogs eat everything yes they do oh. yeah it's at least it'd be, it makes things difficult for if you're a detective and all of a sudden you come across a body it's like it's <laughs> where's 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 that because like, like apparently the hogs got to right. it well, you'll never find it <laughs> no yeah good luck yeah good hogs, luck they, they eat every bone and everything mm-hmm. it's crazy it's just amazing what they what they do, but it's just a nuisance and stuff like that. Now, do you go wild hog hunting down here? Um, most everybody down here that they hunt hogs, but they don't hunt hogs. Okay. Okay. You'll go hunting hogs, but a lot of people they run dogs. Okay. And when they run the dogs, they don't kill the hog. Okay. They get the dogs where the dogs will pin the hog down. They tie the hog up. Okay. Take the hog to a pen. Okay. Feed the hog. Let the hog eat and clean the system out mm-hmm. and then they'll kill the hog fair enough so a lot of people out here you can go they'll go hunt hogs yeah out but a lot of people will go and they 
take the hogs and take them to, the, to a hog pen mm. and let them run and feed them and clean them up and, and then you'll eat them. That way they're not so gamey making worms and things like that. True. That makes sense so. too. I know, I know a lot of them like with, with males, with boars, they'll go ahead and they'll castrate them. And then, then they, cause they'll, they'll tell them about the testosterone. As soon as, as soon as a period of time the testosterone gets out of the system, it takes kind of a, mm-hmm. removes some of the gamey meat. But I've always liked the distinct flavor because that's why I'm going after the, the animals. Because like, it's like it's that flavor that you can't get anywhere yeah, else. Every, every hog I've eaten here has been captured and, yeah, and castrated clean. and then set in a pen. Fair enough. You know, and cleaned up, fed, you know, mm-hmm. corn and things like that. And then... Yeah. Then you eat it. <laughs> oh, man. It's like I would hate to hit one of those bad boys, man. It's like uh, you hit a cow up north. It's like 5,000 plus damage. And then now uh, in Wisconsin, we have uh, elk. We've, we've, we've had elk for a period of time, but now they're just slowly growing back. Like they, there, there, was, um, there was elk here in Florida at one point in time, too. But that was before uh, that was that was um, after one, that was before market hunting became right. effect. And that's when everything went what to do what the heck because it's like market hunting was one of those things where they came in and they cleared out a bunch a whole bunch of stuff and then they just it everything just lost lost everything so that's why we have the right. the conservation laws we have today which makes sense yeah that's true because yeah. of them we have we because like you talk to my old man his his dad and stuff like that and you talk to those guys that lived through the the 30s 40s 50s and 60s it's like seeing a seeing a buck was a godsend mm-hmm. you know and they didn't then and shooting a doe was rude right it was it was a sacrilege Yep, it was, it was. Now, do you have your turkey up here? Because I, I know the turkey season started. Or has, has it started already? I've seen it. I've seen a couple of people pop up on my Facebook feed saying it, it, turkey season. It, it may have started already. Um, there's a lot of turkey. I mean, tur- there's turkey everywhere. Oh yes, yes there is. There. Like, even where uh, my uh, John here, he went he, up by his house. There turkey. There, I don't know. There's one night, one time I saw over sixty turkey. All right, they're in, in town in, in Minneapolis. It's crazy. Yeah, they hang out. And, I mean. Jacksonville is is developed, but it's not developed. Okay. There's a lot of parts of Jacksonville that have are still wooded. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can go right down off of Bay Meadows Road 295 mm-hmm. and have still see deer on the side of the road. Yeah. And you can go in some of these neighborhoods um, across town uh-huh. where there's houses, you know, but then there's woods and mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. there's deer and hogs that run around there. Okay. You know, turkeys running in your front yard. You know, it's 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 developed, but it's spread out. Uh huh. It's not compact like you know every other city, so there's still so much land that could be that is still natural. True. Um. So you can find turkey pretty much anywhere. Now what? Now, um, have you heard much about the Florida panther uh, coming I, back? And they, I, they, 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 I believe they uh, found them. Found some. There's, on yeah, there's down down south. But I haven't heard of a panther. I mean, maybe a couple up in. You know, Ocala National Forest, but I haven't seen it. I haven't heard of any panthers, you know, pumas, cougars, whatever you want to call them in such a long time. I mean, most yeah. of the ones I've always seen have been in the zoo. Yeah. You know, there's there's a few wild ones, but they they don't play much of a role in the the the, uh, the economy here or no. in, in the ecosystem. No, so they're, they, so they're, they're, they're very, very reclusive. You, you, you don't see them. They come up on you. But I tell you what, though, out of all the wildlife animals out there, the predators, I want to be killed by a cat because at least they'll... they'll Done. Over with. Yeah, yeah. Black bears tend to play with you, so. Yes, they do. Yes, they do. They'll, they'll start from your feet and work their way up, man. It is crazy, but it's now. How was the population down here for black bear? Do you have you? Is it There's, big enough to hunt down? Is they the actually opened a season for for black bear. Okay. Um, I don't know if it's gonna if they're having one this year, mm-hmm. but there was a lot of black bear in uh, Ocala National Forest. Okay. Osceola Forest. I mean, you can drive down 19 going to Ocala, and you would see black bears the size of Volkswagens run across the road. I mean, huge black bear, mm-hmm. huge. Mm-hmm. And they'd run across the road. Yeah. You know, but as far as, you know, we were hunting one time, which is a funny story. Um, me and my friend, my other friend, Jeff, mm-hmm. <laughs> that uh, I had a house in Ocala and uh, we were out hunting in the backyard. Okay. Deer. Okay. And I was in an oak tree. He was on a stand on a power pole. Okay. And we heard a bear. Ah. And we heard him running through the bushes, and I couldn't get out of the tree fast enough. I actually ended up falling out of the tree. And I went to go yell at him, telling him this bear coming, and was getting ready to go to his pole. And he's trying to get out of the pole, and he's hanging upside down in the tree stand. He didn't get out. So well, at, least, like, at, least he, at least he had his uh, safety harness he on. He did. Him. And we took, I took a couple of shots with uh, a shotgun that I had just to scare it away. And it, finally, it ran away, and he came out of the tree. It was probably the funniest hunting experience uh-huh, I've ever uh-huh. had. But. 
Oh man, it's, it was it was a little scary, but it was it was pretty funny. Yeah, yeah, I, I, it, it's funny now, but at the time it, it's it's scary. Yeah, I, I, was, yeah. I was trying, but I fell right out of the tree. Because right, last time I came across a big predator was five years ago, and I was hunting in Minnesota, southern Minnesota. And we can't, and there's I, I've been seeing big mountain lion tracks, and this and it's an, it's an adult male because it's old. I didn't see any other things like that. It's, we haven't seen him since. But he's been he's just hiding out there, and, but he's got an abundance of white tail and small game. But the, the unique thing is he never went after the the, the farmers' cattle. Cattle, right? He st- he stayed away from them, so it's like well, knock on, knock on wood. So it's, he's he's still as far as he's still out there living. But those toms can get big. I mean, within two years, they're over two hundred pounds. Wow. Yeah, they get gnarly, and it's and the, the nice thing is that they don't you won't see them until they come up upon you. But uh, I was coming around this bend, and it's coming. It's like where it's it's where the, the deer kind of migrate from one spot to the next for bedding and such. And I come around the corner, all I saw was a tail. It's like I pulled on my firearm so fast. It's like, it, <laughs> and it's like I was the only one out there too. So it's like it's it's, it's one of those things where it's like I got to make the shot count. Right. And it's just in a straight slug. So it's like, well, see what happens. Knock yeah. on wood. It's like he just he just barred, he just darted off. But I have no idea what that that. Um, the den is, but I want monkey with cat hunt. It's like, you got to go with dogs with those and you got to go with someone who knows what they're doing. Right. Yeah. I mean, our, our biggest fear is like when we're running around ponds, like we do a lot of pond fishing in the forest because uh-huh. there's ponds out there that nobody ever touches. Yeah. I mean, our biggest thing is the gators. <laughs> yeah. That is very true. Yeah. yeah. I got to, I got to experience like, last year. We were fishing those ponds. Yeah. There, there could be a gator looking there and nobody would ever know. Yeah, no kidding. We, they're they're everywhere. Oh yes, that is true. And then not going well, we didn't see any trapdoor spiders or even any, any nope. eastern dam, diamondback snakes down here. No, no. Does eastern diamondback come this far south? There's there, there's a few here. Yeah. Um, the big thing here is the pygmy rattlers. Okay. Yeah, they're black and they have the orange spots and they're actually very pretty. Yeah, I'm, but they're just deadly. Knock on because I know that the last place we're going to back in the I was going around the backside there. I'm seeing all these these clumps of um, uh, grass. My, my fear was is like I was gonna step on something and it's like someone's gonna come alive. Usually not. <laughs> okay. Usually not. Well, that's I good. Mean, to if hear. you see a few out there, the biggest thing water moccasin. Oof. That's you, that's the big that's the big fear. Uh huh. You know, I mean they'll they'll swim right in your boat. I've been fishing a tournament and they come out of you know the tree hanging in the trees and they'll swim in the water and swim right up into your boat as you're fishing. You know, you're trying to get them out and you're gonna be in the water. <laughs> oh wow, that water that's, moccasins are bad. And they'll, they'll they're 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 they're, they're poisons. They're deadly. They'll, they'll deadly. They hurt you. Oh yeah, oh so, man. They're they're plentiful here. You got to be careful because they're really hard to see. Yeah, no kidding. Like walking around those ponds. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's 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 a big big thing you got to look for. No kidding. Yeah, and the unique thing is like people don't some people don't aren't aware of it, but most snakes are can swim. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and water moccasins are wonderful swimming. <laughs> <laughs> no yeah. kidding. Yeah, I've had a few close calls, but knock. Um, last year I was fishing with my buddy Cam, and he caught a he caught a he caught a um a snake eating a frog. Got pictures of it too. I'll show it to you after the wow. podcast. Yeah, it, it was it was a sight to see. It's like all of a sudden he brought it back up, and it's like I, we were able to get the the frog separated from the snake, and they just kind of disappeared. So it's like it was it was it was an interesting thing to see, and it was all black. I'm not sure if it was water moccasin or not. I'm not uh, not snake expert, so it's like. But either way, I wasn't I wasn't gonna look underneath the I wasn't gonna open up the mouth and find out the hard right. way because <laughs> that's like those are getting bit by a rattlesnake is expensive. It's uh, was it two years ago I saw on, online where somebody posted their bills like 150 grand. Yeah, I'm sure. Uh, it's 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 I'm not sure. it's not a cheap uh, not a cheap fix. I know because some places here doesn't we don't have the the we don't have the animal. Yeah, mm-hmm. some places I may have to fly fly it up from Miami or somewhere mm-hmm. else. I know that out in uh, Arizona, a lot of places you have to go to Albuquerque for uh, to get their. Uh, their eventums there too, and mm-hmm. that's that's expensive situation there as well. I had a buddy of mine got bit by a baby rattlesnake on his calf, and it just swells right up. Now was not that was not a cheap fix. No, I, I imagine. And then at least out here, you guys don't have to worry about scorpions. We got wood scorpions. You do have wood scorpions. Oh yeah, there? oh yeah. They, they hide in the palm trees. Like they get they get transported in the palm trees. Okay, but then we get the wood scorpions. You know, take a piece of bark off your little wood scorpion. But yeah, mm-hmm. we have them here. They're they're they're. Few and far between, but they're not as nasty the ones out west, man. No, yeah, those 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 tan ones. Yeah, those things are those things are the worst ones. The babies because they don't know how much poison to deliver. Right. I had a I had a professor of mine left his books. He left his boots outside, and, and scorpions crawled in there and got stung on the on the foot. Yeah. It's like ah ha ha. She's oh, yeah. He was out for a week. Yeah. Yeah. He couldn't walk on his foot at all. It swelled up. It was not a good deal for him. Yeah, we have nothing like that here. Like I said, wood scorpions. Rarely see them. You get them in the palm trees, um, but uh, I, other than that, there's really nothing. Banana spiders, they, they hurt. Brown recluse. Yeah, you don't monkey with those ones. Yeah, we have brown recluses up we north. Have, we have a lot of them here. 
Yeah. Uh, banana spiders, they, uh, they're they big. I hate spiders, so <laughs> I don't kill them. My wife does. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm I'm the one that deals with the spiders in my place. So it's like, yeah, yeah, them and bats. Bats. It's like I'm not too afraid of, afraid of bats. No, no. Uh, bats. Yeah, bats. Yeah, we don't. Not too worried. No, I'm not too worried about because we don't have any anything major to, to deal with. The vampire bats are mostly down in Mexico and and, right. and it's all over that side. So it's like they don't come. We have over bats here. here. I mean, but you don't see them very often. No, uh, unless you want to be seen. But it's it's nice. They're nice ones. Like when it start getting dusk, it start coming. It's like yes, they're gonna, they're going to control some of the population of the mosquitoes and the and yeah, the, dragonflies. Dragonflies are huge here. Yeah, I've seen a lots and lots. I seen a couple of them today. That, that's all these mosquitoes. So. Mm-hmm. Now, which is which is which is the so best thing to have. Yeah. So when you're fishing out, you see a bunch of dragonflies. Go stand by the dragonflies. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. Or if, if if my fiance Alicia was here, you stand by her because the, it's like I could be fishing next to her, and it's like the mosquitoes just go straight to her. No, that's me. I oh. attract them. Oh yeah, you attract them. I say. smell like a fried pork chop or something, but they it's, love it, me. They smell this. They smell that like they go after sweet blood. I've noticed it's like I tend to eat a lot. Of, like and you eat uh, the old the old wife the old wives' tale is, is to go with garlic. That was like my my grandma says like eat more garlic in the summertime because that's how you're gonna keep away from them. like she's 94 years old so it's like she knows more than I do when it comes down to wildlife I mean <laughs> come considering like she their house they they my dad grew up in uh, in the 50s they still had they didn't have indoor uh, plumbing so they had to go out to an outhouse and so and then on top of that electric electricity they didn't have that either so and they and he went to school until sixth grade until until uh, they were all one room house before they built a, right. a larger uh, school. To house everybody to, so it's like yeah it's like I, I know it's like he can he, it's like his upbringing from going from a small farm and into where he is at now it's like he's seen he's seen a lot of what's what I'm looking for growth and technology right so it's like he knows like it's like when it comes down to complain about toilet it's like yeah you, you haven't had to go take a shit in, in, in uh, <laughs> below zero weather haven't you <laughs> right we we'll have to sit in a in a, in a in a latrine or a little uh, piss pocket no piss bucket can't do it uh, yeah, so like here, it's like we're we got we're spoiled. We're very spoiled. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have uh, what's what's the future of Bass Patrol Nation now? Since since things in your personal life starting to settle since, down, since everything's starting to settle down, we're actually starting we're gonna start growing again. Okay. Um, I've talked to a few of the old team members and guys mm-hmm. that have stuck with me over the years. Yeah. And we're actually starting to get new shirts, new hats, new gear, mm-hmm. fishing poles, and yeah. uh, our own line of baits, just like we're going to do before. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So within the next, you know, I'd say three months, we should be back at it full swing. Very cool. Because I'll, I'll do the exact same thing I do with Bucks of America. I'll go, we'll, we'll hit the payment. We'll start talking to people. And we'll see if we can get uh, work out some deals, be able to do drop shipping. So this way then you don't have to worry about having inventory. Right. And, and make life a little bit easier and, and start seeing an increase in, in contributing for your charity events and such like that. Good. We're good. Good to take care of get things going again. Excellent, man. It was it was good to chat with you. So tune in for next time. Thank you guys for tuning in. And we'll talk to you guys later.